just before services, I was looking at the Temple Facebook page. I was looking to make sure that we had everything also set up because we have the 8.30 service tonight and it's ugly Hanukkah sweater night um, at the 8.30 service. And I was, you know, feeling like, wait, what? Didn't Hanukkah end? But the ugly sweater part of the holiday season never ends. And so we're having that. And I looked at the Facebook page. Um, oh, by the way, kids told me this year they liked Hanukkah so much they celebrated it also on Monday night and they called it Nineka. <laughs> so um, I looked at the Facebook page and for some reason just under tonight's service was a Shabbat that popped up on my feed and on the temple feed that was broadcast over a year and a half ago sometime in April 2020. And it felt like it was 10 years ago. And I looked at the picture, and there was Cantor Addy's house, and Rabbi Rodich's house, and my house. And um, we were all, we had our, our computers on, and the cameras on, and we had our phones at the same time, and we were all talking to each other. We're trying to live. Could, did you, is this on your Facebook? Is it my Facebook page? And, and this is going on and on. And, and Cantor Addy and I, and I'm looking at her, and she's texting me. Finally, we heard the voice of God. It was Eric Schoen. He was also on, and he said, you guys, we've been live for two minutes. <laughs> and I just looked right at the camera, and I'm looking right at the camera now, which is that camera, and, um, right, we are live streaming still, 22 months later, and uh, I just said, well, Shabbat Shalom, and now you know what goes on right before services, which is us frantically trying to make sure that we're connected. And... When I looked at that a few hours ago, it seemed just, how, how long ago was that? I, I kind of lock, lost track of time, and it seemed totally unreal and totally surreal and real at the same time. And um, then I felt a little confused, like, how long has, has COVID been going on? Days and weeks and months. Um, it, it's, it's confusing. Um, and I know how long 22 months is in regular time, but this seems much longer. Uh, and sometimes days and places and people and times seem to blend into each other in a way that is confusing. I don't think it's just that I've gotten like 17 years older in the last 22 months, but I think it's for everybody, no matter how old you are, um, how confusing it is. Um, they've been hard days for a lot of us, and even on days that seemed less hard, there are still hard parts of those days. And I, uh, I thought about when this was gonna end, often, and when we were gonna get to stop wearing masks, and when would that sense of normalcy uh, come back? When will it be more easy than hard every day? And I guess I go back and forth and think, well, this really is normal now. This is our new normal and we're all grappling with it. Normal where we continue to just wake up every day and push forward to live our lives, do the things we can all still do, work, play, take our kids to school, travel a little bit, grieve our losses, heal from our illnesses, attend virtual events to stay in touch with the people we love around the country who we can't see all the time. We try to keep our heads and our hearts above the water and find a parking place at the temple for Shabbat. We try to just have Shabbat, which is a big blessing and a big normal part of our week. And I also wonder a lot about what we and the generation that's been living during COVID, in COVID, um, what we're all going to say about this time in the after. I think about that a lot. I think it depends on your age and stage in life what this time is like for you. 
But what will the stories be like from these years when we look back? What will we have learned and what do we want the next generation to know that we learned from this time that made us stronger or better or more resilient? How can we be resilient when there continues to be terrible news every day? How do we keep working to preserve democracy? And even more importantly, how do we keep the health of our planet central? How do we keep working on that? When I was thinking about this new normal and what we continue to go through, I thought about what I said tonight at the Michamocha, like who are, who are the stories, the people that have lived through really, really hard times and still we look at them and they seem like a compass to us. They give us hope and they help us keep the faith. And I thought a lot tonight about what Joseph's life was like. Um, if we're going to tell the story, the story of how we lived through this, um, how will it have gone? Um, what about the Joseph story, which is this week's portion? What did the, f the generations after Joseph take from his resilience? Now, the story of Joseph's life, we're in um, the portion uh, where it comes to a climax, where he finally reveals to his 11 brothers that he's alive and he's their brother in Egypt. And a lot of times we focus on the part where he's the viceroy of Egypt and everything is great and he's triumphant and he's a leader. But he did not have an easy life. He was the dream interpreter who channeled, channeled God's will. He was that viceroy. He was the brother who saved his entire family and helped with the, f the future redemption of our people. But he also had a really, really hard beginning. So Joseph was born to his father Jacob's favorite wife, Rachel, who later died in childbirth, giving birth to his brother. That was the beginning of his life. Just stop there for a second. His mother died in childbirth with his brother, and he was his father's favorite son. Um, anybody here have a favorite kid? <laughs> when the kids are raising their hands. If you're a parent, you know it's not a great, it, it's not a great thing um, to show any kid favoritism in any way. Um, but that was the beginning of, of Joseph's life, uh, that he was, that kid is not parents' favorite right now, just for that moment, okay? <laughs> she will be later. Jacob's favoritism made Joseph's life miserable. He would laud the favoritism over his brothers. He would tell them the incredible dreams that he had about them bowing down to him. And his father, remember, Jacob gave Joseph, what was that gift that he gave him? Right, the coat of many colors, right? The ugly sweater, exactly. The coat of many colors. And uh, Jacob knew, Joseph knew how much his brothers hated them, hated him. That almost sounded like Christmas music. <laughs> I told you, it's a strange 22 months. So let me just fast forward and say, Joseph, um, his brothers pretended to kill him. They told his dad that he was dead. He had been eaten by a wild beast. They dipped the coat into blood. They sold him to slavery. He, he went into slavery, and then he was uh, put into jail because the wife of his master uh, accused him of impropriety. Uh, and he spent a lot of time incarcerated in prison until he realized that there was something else going on. And he wasn't just a bratty younger brother. He wasn't just his dad's favorite. He hadn't just had a really, really crummy childhood. But he realized that there was something else guiding his dream interpretation. And he 
recognized that it was a higher power, what we call God today. And what I want to focus on is the moment when Joseph says to his brothers, it's me. We've spent this entire time apart from each other. I'm now the viceroy of Egypt. I'm going to save our family. But I have to come to terms with the fact that you tried to kill me. You sold me into slavery. And he has to tell his brothers this in, um, in private. So he closes the doors. He has all the Egyptians, the pharaoh leaves. And this is what the um, dramatic conclusion to these years of deceit and mourning and yearning come to. It's actually one of the most emotional moments in the entire Torah. I want to read it to you. Joseph could no longer control himself before all of his attendants, and he cried out, have everyone withdraw from me. So there was no one else about when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. His sobs were so loud that the Egyptians could hear, and so the news reached Pharaoh's palace. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still well? But his brothers could not answer them. They were so dumbfounded by the reality that he was still alive. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come forward to me. And he said, I am your brother Joseph, who you sold into Egypt. Do not be distressed or reproach yourselves because you sold me here. It was to save life that God sent me ahead of you. It's this climactic moment and the turning point when all of the relationships that had been on hold, all of the distances that had been created, all of the lies that had been told were suddenly real and exposed and they could repair them. And in that moment, Joseph cries and sobs and wails. Is there anybody else who's crying and sobbing and wailing in the Torah? There's there is? Who is it? But not that intensely. I'm going to tell you the one I told you today. Yeah. Um, when um, Esau and Jacob, who were also, uh, it was also a brother rivalry situation, and when they, when they, finally uh, made peace with each other. One moment, sorry. One moment, please. When they finally made peace with each other, um, um, they, they went to hug each other and they kissed each other in the neck. It, it's very, really beautiful the way the Torah describes it, that one brother kissed the other brother's neck. And there's this, if you've ever seen, has anybody ever seen that spot in the Torah here? I'm going to tell you, it's a very cool thing. It doesn't, and nowhere else in the Torah does this happen, but above the word, and he kissed him, there are these little, like, beautiful, like, diamond dots, right above the word, and he kissed him. And these beautiful, I, I haven't researched this yet, but just above that word, nowhere else in the Torah, that, he, that in this moment of reconciliation, it's really beautiful. I mean, they're crying. Mm -hmm. I think only one of them is crying in that story, but we'll get to that. I think really only, I think it's only... Um, Esau, who's crying. Um, but it's not, not often. Of course, anytime I say something isn't happening, Cantor Addy's like, four times it happens, Rabbi. So, yeah, there's yes? many moments what? of crying. Yeah, there's many moments of crying, but this was the most intense okay. one, okay. is what I'm trying to say. What about uh, Hannah? I mean, that's, that's Oh, that's cute. true. Hannah, that's true. Okay. okay, this is not a sermon about crying. It's a sermon about, <laughs> about resilience and, okay. and about Joseph. So, so, and by the way, Jacob and Esau, after the kiss, they go their separate ways. They can't, they can't journey on together. They have to live separately. Joseph saves his brother's tuchuses. He saves the whole generation. And um, he realizes that they have to move together. They cannot be separated anymore. And they can't go on different paths. That they have to live together as a family after all this separation. And what I take from that is I think that Joseph in that way is a superhero. Because he has lived a life of suffering. 
And like Joseph, we can experience pain, disruption, and loss, and still feel like we have faith, still feel like there's something else potentially that's guiding us. And you might call it God, or you might not know what to call it, but you can feel it. And Joseph felt it. And when I ask you, can you see love? You can feel it, right? You could feel love. And you might not be able to see God, but you can feel the intention in yourself to reach out and hold somebody's hand when they're crying or to express love, uh, to feed the hungry, uh, to offer comfort or companionship, to listen, to give tzedakah. All those things, the way that we can alleviate people's suffering are the ways that we feel God. And so when I think about the ways that we live in darkness today and the paths of light, I just think back to the last 4,000 years. And I'm glad we have the story of Joseph, somebody who lived through a lot of darkness, came into the light and pulled us through. And so if there's a way today or tomorrow, any point through this darkness, that you can pull somebody else through, and we're all going to need it. Every single one of us is going to need somebody else to pull us through a very hard time and probably already has. Uh, may we rely on that sense of light that Joseph brought to our people. Amen.